Welcome to First Baptist Church in Belton. We're glad you found us. We seek to know Jesus intimately, serve Jesus passionately, and share Jesus globally. Thank you so much for joining us. We hope you enjoy today's message. I want to thank Belinda Jordan for our porch visit today. God bless you, Belinda. We appreciate you so very much. Thanks also for reading the scripture. And if you close your Bible when Belinda was reading, well, open it back up to Galatians chapter 3. As today we continue our series in the glory of the gospel, the book from the book of Galatians. I wonder how many of you listening to me remember this name, Daryl Royal. Well, if you're over 60, you probably remember. If you're under 60, maybe not. But uh, for 20 years, 1957 to 1976, Daryl Royal was the head football coach at the University of Texas, and he had a successful, extraordinarily successful career. He won 167 games in those 20 years, lost only 47 and tied five. He won three national titles and 11 Southwest Conference football championships, and he was an amazing coach. He never had a losing season. Now, there have been some great coaches who've had great records but had at least one losing season along the way, but not Daryl. The year before he arrived in Austin, the University of Texas won one single solitary football game. But the next year, when Daryl was the coach, they had a winning season, and on it went from there for a fantastic career. Now, Daryl liked to run the football. He did not like to pass. In fact, uh, he said this about passing the football. I don't like to pass because there are three things that can happen and two of them are bad. Well, if you know football, you know what he meant. The good thing is the pass can be complete, but there are two bad things that can happen. One is an incompletion and the other is an interception. One year, Texas earned their way to a bowl game, but in the bowl game, they didn't do very well. They lost the game. And uh, the offense just did not have a good day at all. The the opponents bottled up the running game, and it just was not one of those good days for UT. So after the game, a reporter asked Coach Royal, Coach, since the opponent was bottling up your running game, why didn't you throw the ball more? Well, Darrell Royal had a classic answer to that question, and he said, you dance with the one who brung you. And that was his response to that question. Well, if you know football, you know what he meant by that. We got to this place on our running game, and we're not going to abandon the running game. We're going to dance with the one that brought us, just as if you go to a dance, you want to be sure you dance with the person you came with. Well, Daryl Royal was an interesting man and a great coach. But today, as we think about finish as you started, and that's the title of the message, we are reminded as followers of Christ that we want to live in the same way that we came to Christ, and that is by grace through faith in Christ alone. The Judaizers, as you recall, are trying to change the gospel to what Paul called a no gospel or uh, or bad news, for the word gospel means good news, and so a no gospel would certainly be bad news. And they were trying to say to the Gentile converts, It's good that you have given your life to Christ, but it's not just Christ, it's Christ plus. And for them in that day, it would have been Christ plus the Old Testament law, or Christ plus the rituals, or Christ plus the sacrifices. 
or Christ plus circumcision. And that was the message that the Judaizers were giving to the Galatian churches. And the Galatian, many of the Galatian believers were following that. And in other words, the Judaizers were saying, it's not enough to follow Christ. You've also got to become a Jew as you continue to follow Christ. And so Paul speaks out against that very, very strongly. And today we might look at it this way. It would be Christ plus good works. Our good works must outnumber our our sins. Or things that are good but not essential to salvation, like church membership or baptism or the Lord's Supper or certain gifts of the Holy Spirit. And so it's an issue that is still very much alive even now in the 21st century that becomes a legalistic salvation and a legalistic sanctification, sanctification being our growing more and more like Christ as we go through life. Bad news, legalism. Now, if you look at verse 1 of that third chapter, you'll notice that Paul says, you foolish Galatians who has bewitched you before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. Paul is mad, he's blunt, and he's also brokenhearted. He says to the Galatian believers, you saw the crucifixion of Jesus through the gospel clearly presented to you. Paul is saying, I preached it clearly, I taught it clearly. There's no way you could have misunderstood what I said about the gospel. Well, what was it he preached? Jesus Christ crucified. In fact, if you go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 2, beginning with verse 1, Paul puts it this way. And so it was with me, brothers and sisters. When I came to you, I did not come with eloquence or human wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I came to you in weakness with great fear and trembling. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. So Paul says, this is how you started. You were saved by grace through faith in Christ alone. You were saved by faith in the, by believing the news of the sufficiency of the cross of Jesus Christ. Clearly, he says, clearly I proclaimed it. There could not be any misunderstanding. In the text, in verse 1, he says, the gospel was clearly portrayed. Now, let me illustrate that as I slip back here and get something that I, I want you to see. Paul says the gospel, the cross, was clearly portrayed, or that word can mean placarded, meaning it is like holding up a sign in the middle of the road, or today we might say putting up a billboard. And so I hold up for you a painting of the cross done by Jeff Sutton a few years ago in one of our worship services, and I've kept it in my office ever since Jeff painted it, and I hold it up today as an example of what Paul was saying. Paul was saying the cross has been placarded, clearly portrayed the gospel of Jesus Christ, Christ 
crucified, it was as clear as putting it up on a, on a billboard in the middle of town. So Paul says the gospel was clearly placard, placarded, if I'm saying that correctly, portrayed. It was a signboard publicly for everybody to see. Christ crucified, clearly proclaimed by Paul. Before your very eyes, he said, there's no secret, no hidden messages. Everyone saw it. Now I want to ask you, what in the world has happened? How is it that you have been bewitched? What is it that's bewitched you? And that word bewitched means literally be under a spell, be hypnotized, a loss of reason, or a loss of sanity. Have you lost your mind? Have you ever said that to somebody or had somebody say that to you? Have you lost your mind? That is what Paul's saying to the Galatian church. Have you lost your mind? Well, that's pretty strong talk from the Apostle Paul. What are you thinking, he said to them? If you reflect back to Luke's gospel, the 15th chapter in the story of the prodigal son, you'll remember that the scripture says, Jesus, as he relates to the story, says, finally, the son reached a point where he came to his senses. So if he came to his senses, that means there was a point where he walked away or left behind his, his senses. But finally, he came back and returned to his father. That's what Paul's trying to get the church in Galatia to do. Come back to your senses. Who's bewitched you? What in the world are you thinking? How in the world did this happen? So with that in mind, I want to ask three questions and then we're going to answer it from this text. And the first question is, how did you get here? Now the here is their salvation. Church in Galatia, believers in Galatia, how did you get here? I want you to think about it. How did you get here? And so he has two prongs to that question. One being, remember your experience, and the other being, remember the scripture. So Paul says, first of all, remember your experience. If you look again at verse 2 in this third chapter, Paul says, I would like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by believing what you heard? Are you so foolish after beginning by means of the Spirit? Are you now trying to finish by means of the flesh? Have you experienced so much in vain if it really was in vain? So again, I ask you, does God give you his spirit and work miracles among you by the works of the law or by your believing what you heard? So see, Paul is saying to them, I want you to remember your experience. Hasn't been all that long ago. The church is still brand new. And he's saying to them, I want you to remember your experience of salvation. How did you receive the Holy Spirit? It was not, receiving the Holy Spirit is not an event that happens over a period of time after becoming a follower of Christ. The scripture tells us it happens immediately. It happens instantly at the moment of salvation when we are justified, declared righteous in God's eyes. We receive the Spirit immediately. In fact, in Romans chapter 8 verse 9, Paul puts it this way. You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but in the realm of the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God lives in you. And 
Listen to this. Paul says, and if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. So he reminds the Galatian believers, remember your experience. You should know better than to be bewitched. Remember your own salvation experience. You did not receive the Holy Spirit by works. And notice the logical questions that he asked them. Series of, are you so foolish? There's a question. After beginning by means of the Spirit, are you now trying to finish by means of the flesh? There's another question. Have you experienced so much in vain if it really was in vain? There's a third question. So again, I ask you, does God give you his Spirit and work miracles among you by the works of the law? Or by your believing what you heard? Four questions. In three verses, Paul asked them, were you sanctified? Are you being sanctified by, by your works? No. The law shows you your need of Jesus. The law was given in order that Israel be distinctive from her neighbors as she occupied the land, but also for her to realize, I can't keep the law. I can't do this. I need a Savior. I need a Messiah. And so he is reminding them, it's, it's not the law that saves you. The law is not your master. So how did you get here? And, and Paul wants them to remember their experience. But then in verses 6 through 9, he points them in another direction that he, he wants them to remember. How did you get here to your salvation? Well, you remember your own experience. The second thing I want you to remember is the Scripture. And so in verses 6 through 9, Paul helps them to remember the Old Testament, the only Bible they had at that time. So also Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. Understand then that those who have faith are children of Abraham. Scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles by faith and announced the gospel in advance to Abraham. All nations will be blessed through you. So those who rely on faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. Clearly, he's saying Jews are saved by faith, but so are Gentiles by faith. And so he wants the Galatian believers to remember not only their experience, but he also wants them to remember the scripture. Abraham was justified by faith. He lived by faith. So church in Galatia and so church in Belton and church all over the world, you were justified by faith plus nothing. And Paul offers Abraham as an example. And we grow, that is, we continue our walk with Christ by applying the glorious gospel to every aspect of our lives. We're saved by grace through faith in Christ alone, and we live by grace through faith in Christ alone. So Paul says, go back again and again to the glorious gospel of Christ crucified. The message is the same to us in 2020. Go back again and again to the glorious gospel of Christ crucified. And our hearts are gripped by the reality of what God has done. Now, the the term try harder is not a Christian term. Try harder is not a Christian term for growing in Christ. In fact, we should repent for self-righteous thinking that the work is ours and not God's. Rejoice 
in the glory of the gospel, the finished work of Christ crucified. So Paul asked the question, how did you get here? How did you get to your salvation? Let me remind you. Let me help you remember. Go back to your own experience. Go to scripture. But your current thinking has bewitched you and you are now in a bewitched condition. How in the world did this happen? So that leads to the second big question that Paul asks. What are your choices? What are your choices? Now look at verse 10. For all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse as it is written. Cursed is everyone who does not continue to do everything written in the book of the law. Clearly no one who relies on the law is justified before God because the righteous will live by faith. The law is not based on faith. On the contrary, it says the person who does these things will live by them. In other words, if you're going to live by the law, you've got to keep every jot and tittle of it. Every single bit of it. And you can't do it. No one can. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us, for it is written, cursed is everyone who's hung on a pole. He redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Christ Jesus, so that by faith we might receive the promise of the Spirit. So, what are your choices? He gives two choices. One is the path of works in the law, and the other is the path of faith in Christ alone. Two clear-cut paths. One, the path of works in the law. The other, the faith, the, the, the path of faith in Christ alone. Now, the path of works and the law, he says, if you choose this path, how much is enough? Pretty good question, Paul. If I'm going to choose to live by the works of the law, then how much is enough? Okay, at the end of today, I have a score of 26 good deeds and seven sins. Is that adequate? Or does it need to be more like 10 to 1? I mean, that seems absurd to talk like that, but that's really what Paul is asking. And he's saying, why Why would you voluntarily take on that burden and that yoke? This is an expression of the age-old desire inside of man that we've got to do something to reach God instead of God reaching down and taking hold of us. And the result, he says, is condemnation. You can't do it. Look at verse 10. For all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse. As it is written, cursed is everyone who does not continue to do everything written in the book of the law. And in verse 11, he says, no one can do it. Clearly, no one who relies on the law is justified before God because the righteous will live by faith. By grace through faith in Christ alone. Is that too good to be true? No, it is true. It is true. So Paul says you, you have a choice the path of works in the law, or the path of faith in Christ alone. So are we saved by the law? No. Are we saved by grace through faith in Christ alone? Yes. Habakkuk 2.4 says the, the just shall live by faith. Romans 1.17 says the just shall live by faith. And that's what Paul is saying to the church in Galatia. Remember, that's how you came to Christ. Now, don't go to a no gospel. Don't go to a false gospel. But stay the path. Not only are we saved by grace through faith in Christ alone, but we live by grace through faith in Christ alone.
Now, the third and final question is this. What shall be the outcome? What shall be the outcome? So, so how did you get here, he asked. He says, remember your experience and remember the scripture. Then he says, what are your choices? The path of works in the law or the, the path of faith in Christ alone. So what's the outcome? Well, outcome number one is cursed. And that's what happens if you choose the path of, of works and the law. Cursed. He uses that word several times in this passage. Theologically, if I can be saved by works, obeying the law, then that requires that I, I look at the law and keep all of it, which will result, will result in my realizing that I cannot do it, so therefore I'm cursed. That's no way to go. That's no way to live. Psychologically, living by law-keeping psychologically leads to despair and depression. Are we saved by works? Well, how many or how much? What's enough? When does what does it take to falter? I mean, if I have a perfect day and I'm getting ready to go to bed and I've have had a great day, and then all and I'm I'm good I'm I'm good I kept the law I'm good with God today and then all of a sudden before I go to bed I stub my toe and I let words come out of my mouth that woo oh no did I just blow it did I just blow the entire day come on Paul is saying that's ridiculous. You you can never be at rest spiritually if you choose to live by anything other than faith alone. I mean, you lay your head on the pillow and you say, well, what did I do today? Oh, that that was a good thing. Oh, but that was a bad thing. Oh, I can't believe I said that or thought that. But I, but I made up for it by helping that little old lady across the street, didn't I? And, and you see absurdum where we go with that. You can't live by the law and by works. We It is foolishness. It is foolishness, Paul says. So he gives a reminder in, in the 11th verse. Look, look there again. Clearly, no one who relies on the law is justified before God because the righteous will live by faith. And verse 12 is a pretty somber verse. The law is not based on faith. On the contrary, it says the person who does these things will live by them, meaning got to keep it all. In fact, in Leviticus chapter 18, verse 5, as as... Israel was being given the law. Moses says, keep my, God speaks through Moses and says, keep my decrees and laws for the person who obeys them will live by them. I am the Lord. In other words, what that's saying is you got to live by all of it. All of it. Can't. I can't. Help me, God. I need a savior. Oh, yes, indeed, I do. And that Savior is Jesus. So the outcome, cursed or the alternate, blessed. Cursed or blessed. Verse 13. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hung on a pole. Now, Christ redeemed us by himself becoming a curse for us, not taking on the curse, but becoming the curse for us. Look again at the second part of that verse 13. Cursed is everyone who's hung on a pole. And, and let me tell you where that comes from. Deuteronomy chapter 21, 
verse 23. 22 and 23. If someone is guilty of a capital offense, they're put to death and their body is exposed on a pole. You must not leave the body hanging on the pole overnight. Be sure to bury it so on the same day because anyone who is hung on a pole is under God's curse. Hmm. Old Testament execution was by stoning and the body was then hung on a tree or a pole as a sign to everyone of the curse placed upon them. So Christ became the curse by his death on the cross. Legally speaking, as Jesus was treated as if he were a sinner, he became the curse. He became sin for us. Therefore, we become righteousness because of him. He took the curse and we become righteousness. And the way Paul words that in 2 Corinthians 5.21 is this. God made him, that's Jesus, who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. You getting the picture? You see what Jesus did for us? And Paul is saying, Galatians, I told you this over and over and over again so clearly that's how you came to faith. It's what the scripture says. What's going on? What are you doing? Don't choose the way that leads to you being a curse, but choose the path that leads to you being blessed. Salvation means more than forgiveness. We do not simply have our sin erased. Rather, the scripture tells us we become perfect in God's eyes because he declares us what? Righteous. We are justified. We're declared righteous. We're cleansed. We're whole in the eyes of God. If we begin with the gospel and yet continue by human effort as though we have to earn his ongoing blessing, that's foolish. Paul says, that's foolish. Who's bewitched you? That's foolish. We never move from the gospel and the glory of the gospel we cannot and we need not so our final review think back over what paul tells us in the text question number one how did you get here how did you get to the point that you're saved remember your experience and remember scripture second question was what are your choices and choice number one is the works, our works and the law. Second choice, the path of faith in Christ alone. Clear-cut choice. And then third question, what shall be the outcome? Cursed or blessed? Cursed or blessed? Now, which would you choose? You know, I've been saying pretty much the same thing every week at the end of my message I've been saying things like, I don't know where you are watching today. Most of you are probably in Bell County or part of our church. You know about our church. We're glad you're watching. Others may be somewhere else in Texas or somewhere else in America or somewhere else around the world. We're so glad you're watching. But the question to all of you is this question. Do you know Jesus? Do you know Jesus? Have you been saved by, by grace through faith in Christ alone? If the answer to that question is no or you're not certain, 
that I want to plead with you this morning. I want to plead with you this morning to call out to Jesus and, and, and say to him, Jesus, you are Lord. Come into my life and forgive me of my sin. I place my faith and trust totally in you. And I desire to follow you from this point forward. If you'll call out to Jesus today, I, I hope you'll let us know. There's contact information on the screen in front of you. Please let us know. We want to help you to grow as a Christ follower. Any other decision you need to make this morning, take it to Jesus. Take it to Jesus. And may God bless you all. Thank you for being part of this worship experience today. I hope God has spoken to your heart and I hope that the scripture has come alive to you wherever you are, wherever you're watching. And so as we pronounce our benediction for this service, I'm going to ask you to bow with me for prayer. And I want to declare our benediction, the words of Jude 24 and 25, which we've been using for all these many weeks now. And as we bow our heads, the scripture says, to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy, to the only God, our Savior, be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ, our Lord, before all ages, now and forevermore. Amen. If you would like more information, visit our church website at fbcbelton.org or call our church office at 254-939-0705. We are located at 506 North Main Street in Belton, Texas. We hope to see you soon.